You're listening to the Leadership Jam Session Podcast, the place where you'll get to hear leaders at all levels of management share their practical solutions to the management challenge you face every day. So let's get ready to jam. I'm your host, Rob Fonte. Welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. If you're listening for the first time, my name is Rob Fonte. I'm a leadership development consultant and coach with more than 20 years experience in leading teams. For more information about me or how you can subscribe to the show, please visit my website at leadershipjamsession.com. Now enough about me. Today's guest is Anthony Vaughn, who goes by AJ. AJ is the founder of the E1B2 Collective. I'm excited to have AJ on the show today, who specializes in helping startups operationalize employee experience, which is based on his own entrepreneurial background and HR experience as well. AJ, welcome to the Jam Session. I appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing great. You ready to jam? Uh, I'm born ready. All right. I'm ready. Well, first of all, I love your company name, the E1B2 Collective. Employees first, business second. I think that's a fantastic company name. And uh, I want to talk about your leadership journey, uh, and, and I think that'll help shed some light, I think, on how you came up with the name, employees first, business second. When people hear E1B2, there's, you know, there's a lot of controversy. Actually, right after we got a our call yesterday, I had a really interesting call where I, I talked to a few folks that just completely disagreed with that point of view. So... Maybe we can pack that later. Your first company, you're out of college, right? You're a young kid and you land a major deal with Under Armour. Is that right? Yep. I mean, that's fantastic. So perhaps you can just take us back and, and share your story with us. You know, I was just coming off my freshman year at university playing football, thinking about girls and football. I had no, nothing else really to focus on at that time. And so leadership, employee experience, HR, um, understanding how to operationalize those things and create a, a great, you know, experience productivity wise was not even anything I was thinking about. Um, and the long story short of it is I made a very strategic partnership with Under Armour, but the way that I actually, and this is actually some exclusive. So Rob, you're, uh, um, you're special here. Cause this is actually, I've never told anybody this in the sports space. A lot of these agility coaches, Under Armour, Nike, these big brands, Reebok, they're, they're watching these guys, Adidas, they're watching these guys, and they know that the athletes are following these guys. Let me link with them. Let me build a partnership or a sponsorship with them, and then the greatest athletes to come in the future will follow, right? The way that I leveraged the Under Armour deal was through this guy, brought him to my company, recruited him. He was a big linchpin around the Under Armour deal and then allowing us to go from zero to a million in revenue within 18 months. He worked very hard. He didn't ask for anything. He was an internal, really an employee, but I looked at him more as a partner. Uh, and frankly, you know, he was paid well and it was a great experience. He was a friend. And then he brought up the conversation of, hey, you know, don't think I don't know that I was the real reason of why a lot of this is happening. I think I deserve some equity. I really love to have a conversation. He was very humble about it. I'm, I'm, I'm through the roof now. I'm living where I am actually now still. Um, I grew up in very humble beginnings in Baltimore, never had a dollar to my name. Parents to this day are still very humble. And um, I said, you're crazy. I said, we're not even having this conversation. I laughed them off the phone. I said, I'll call you later to go get some drinks. Uh, just fantastic to even hear you talk about how, you know, your first company, I mean, it's a huge achievement. Now, uh, and, and it sounds like through this this person you brought on board that a lot of that came through his connection. Um, and I think I know where this is going. So unfortunately, yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah. It was his connection and it was also his influence and his skill. 
and then let me give myself some credit. The, the business model was very different as well. Um, at the time, I mean, this is almost 11 years ago now. Um, so at the time, there was not a year-round football academy model in sight. So pretty much all the athletes was associ were associated with this year-round. So whether you were inside of the football season or not, you were doing sports psychology training, you were doing uh, academic training, you were, you were in the gym year-round. There was not a model on the planet that looked like that. So let me give myself a little bit of credit. Now there's a bunch that look like that. But uh, yeah, he was the main reason. So to jump to the punchline, ignored the conversation. I will never forget the day I came home. Um, I, I called uh, my girlfriend, actually, who's in the other room now, I called her stepdad who owns a, a, a suite of uh, body shops. And that was the only entrepreneur I knew, right? Outside of myself, I didn't know anybody else. Um, I wasn't the guy that I was now networking and building relationships. I was just a regular guy in Baltimore building, building a business, a kid, really. And so I called him. I said, look, I got a problem. My, my best guy, the, the, the whole lynchment of the whole thing, he wants to be a partner. And he said, a partner of what? And I said, the company. He's like, let me ask you a couple questions, AJ. He said, did he take his break at the restaurant after working a double, drive 45 minutes, 90 miles an hour down the road just to have a meeting, come back, get back to work, come back home? Did he miss you know, dinners and, and dates with, with Sydney, who's my girlfriend, and all these other things? Did he make sacrifices like you did? And I said, no. Then he said, partner of what? Now that's, he's in his sixties now. At the time, in his you know, early fifties, very old school mentality, I earned this, this is mine. And I was like, yeah, I was like, that's right. So I'll never forget it, email came through. He said, um, I just wanna respectfully let you know that I'm, I'm gonna walk away in a couple of weeks. Uh, I really appreciate the, the opportunity and uh, best of luck to you. A day or two later, I was having breakfast and I kid you not, I had 104 emails come through in a 90 minute period of time. Every single student, every single parent, every single uh, high level athlete, everyone canceled, canceled, ended contracts, got out of situations, said they were going to go on to someone else. They would not disclose who it was. And then I got the final email. That was from Under Armour. Um, and so uh, I called Tim, who was my COO. We, we called this big meeting. Um, he couldn't understand where this was coming from. So I told him what happened. Um, he actually didn't agree. He didn't disagree with the point of view at the time. He, he was an old school guy as well. Um, and so as you guys can assume, business went to zero in uh, a 45 day period of time. And so that was, that was tough for me. Your employee started his own company and, and took the connection with him from Under Armour and that basically killed your business. Is that right? Let me, let me tell you what, let me tell you what he's doing now. Here's the best part. Let me tell you what he's doing now. I'm, I'm doing decent for myself, but as you guys know, I, I became an employee. The revenue is not the same. Um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what I have, you know, I'm not still where I, I grew up, but, um, this guy's living in a, I don't know, maybe three, 4,000 square feet, nice place down in Miami has three facilities, one in Miami, one here in Maryland, another one in California partnership with Under Armour still worked with Lamar Jackson, worked with Hollywood Brown. I'm a fool. I'm a fool. He was a great guy, great skill, great talent. Ego was just in the way. Um, and I still think to this day, as I've gotten older and I've been around a lot of founders, I think this is a pivotal issue that's happening 
throughout my circles, I've seen this happen time and time again with founders and leaders internally. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that, that story. Um, and right. I mean, that, that's a hard lesson to learn, uh, as you're going through that. And, and I agree, I, you know, uh, I think that that applies to regardless whether you're a CEO of a small business entrepreneur, or as you said, internally, these mistakes are made time and time again. And, and you're right, the ego does get in the way. So, I mean, now looking back, how has that changed you? Well, to kind of connect it to kind of what you were saying as far as like what I'm doing now and just the whole concept of everything, what I've learned and what, how it changed me. So I went into like a depressed state, as I'm sure you guys can imagine, for about 30 days. And then I, I can't, I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't have my same computer anymore. I wish I would have gone all the way back. I Googled something. I don't remember what I Googled, but I remember HR came up. Now you got to remember guys, I'm not, I never had a job in my life besides working at like Sorrento's, the local pizzeria. I don't even, I don't, I don't know what HR is. I don't know, even with my own company, right? I had Tim, I had, my, I had a COO. I had, um, I had Sue who did like, I didn't even know this stuff. I was just the guy, you know, I'm a visionary. I didn't handle that stuff. You guys handle it. I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, and so, I stumbled upon HR and then I remember I stumbled upon succession planning and career mapping. And those two things, when I went down the rabbit hole, I was like, shoot. I said, that's exactly what he was looking for. He was looking to figure out, cause he's not that much older than me. I think he was maybe 21 at the time. He was looking to figure out where the hell his life is going. What, what, what am I gonna do what is his business going to do to connect to his life long term? That's all he was looking for. Literally. Now, obviously, there were other components to it, but at, at, at the simplest form, he was looking to reach out to, at the time, which was technically his boss, his friend, his leader, to try to figure out how he's going to help, how I'm going to help him progress in life. And so a simple career mapping conversation would have saved all of that. Seriously. Yeah. And, and so that's how you got to, I'm assuming... The company name that you have today right people always first people first business second interesting yep because at a very literal level if i put the employee first i genuinely believe based off what i've been seeing with the with the concepts and obviously I, I would have to continue to be great at what i'm doing and skills involved but assuming i would have you know done made the right decisions i don't know probably at least 20, $25 million at this point, probably just the way that it's set up and the sponsorship deals and just the, the sport has exploded in the last 11 years. I mean, you guys see football everywhere. I mean, these kids are, these kids are vastly more talented than they ever were before. And so it would have been something. And, um, and so to answer your question directly, I went down a deep rabbit hole. I got obsessed. So it started with career mapping. It started with succession planning. And it was just recently, that I understood how personal development ties into having a successful business. I just realized literally just like 18 months ago, I was like, Oh, the ego stuff. And like, you know, uh, you know, when, when leaders lash out and micromanage at times, it comes from like a, uh, like a small place within and they, and they don't understand how to chat, you know? And so I dove into that and wanted to understand everything about HR and leadership and all that good stuff. Yeah. So that's how it really changed me and started the process. I'm curious, what would you, you know, now looking back, now that you have all this, this experience and knowledge and, you know, looking back, what would you have done differently? Would you have given him a, 
a steak? Yeah, I probably would have given him. Um, I'm a little crazy, actually. I, I, give, I give, I mean, we talked about this offline. I, I give partners 50% equity without even blinking. My, my relation to money is whatever, you know, but thinking back, I probably would have given him anywhere between 20 to 20 to 45%. He would have, something would have been done, but tangibly what I would have done now, knowing my background, I would have had a career mapping. I, I would have took, I would have, I would have probably sat him down in a nice restaurant, right? I would have taken him out would have thanked him for everything that he's done so far. I would have sat back and said maybe seven words in a 90 minute period of time. I would have, I would let him just unpack all of his wildest dreams. And then I would take a piece of paper out and I would write yes to everything he wants. Um, as long as it contextually made sense to obviously the business model and, and where I want to go as well and finding win wins, of course. Um, but that's kind of the way I am now. Like, contextually let me know exactly what's going to make your life perfect and i would do everything in my power to meet you where you need to meet you where you are because i know as an employee you're going to meet me where i am employees meet us where we are all the time i don't see too many leaders meeting employees where they are so that's what i would have done well said yeah yeah you know it's um it's interesting and i appreciate you sharing that that perspective and you know it's uh, i give you a lot of credit, even for the success you had, right? As you said, I mean, you, it was your business. You, you brought it all together. Uh, and it is a, it, it's a challenge for young leaders uh, who, and, and there are some parallels. What you're saying applies to, uh, to even corporations today, right? Individuals, they move into management positions. And unfortunately, sometimes they don't get the training necessary and you're kind of just feeling it out. And, and sometimes, you know, you, it's unfortunate you learn the hard way um, on some of these critical leadership skills that are needed. And as I said, your whole approach of employee first, business second. Yeah. I can see where, where your mindset is, is now today. Yeah, it, it, it really it really changed everything for me. But then again, like I said, when I when I made the decision to become mad of people, that was kind of like for me, I was like, okay, I really need to dive in here and see what it really feels like to start putting some of these frameworks and some of these programs together, right? I need to know what it feels like to contextually unpack an employee and figure out how that can blend into how we're gonna put together a learning and development program. You know, I need to figure out what that what it looks like to really have a career mapping conversation with a fleet of, of, of employees and really contextually build out learning and development programs and mentorship programs and tracking for each individual employee and track that all the way through. So it sounds like, you know, it sounds like you swapped out your ego for empathy, for employee empathy. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. That's I an mean, interesting it point. Sounds like, it's, you know, and, and. Ego is, is unfortunately the root of many failures for leaders. It really is. And when you actually start trying to understand the employee needs uh, while balancing the business, uh, you truly, the success truly does come. It really does. How do you, how do you think, how do you think about that whole employees first business second, removing the ego conversation, like at, at a, at a deeper level? You know, I love your approach and it does sum it up exactly the way how I've learned it and approached it over the years. You know, it's your employees. At the end of the day, nothing else matters in my mind. It's all about your employees because without them, you're never going to be successful. 
I mean, granted, I've seen organizations, I've seen cultures within organizations. Yes, you can achieve success. There's a lot of luck that comes with it, right timing. But in order to have sustainable growth, there's always a, a correlation with the bottom line to employee engagement. Always. It's all about the employees. I do want to go back to uh, the discussion you had yesterday where somebody disagreed with employees first, business second. Yeah. What, was the, what was the rationale behind that? They saw it differently? How they deem an employee is lower management through entry level. So they believe that executives, and obviously them being the founder, they believe that through their years of experience and their background, they've earned the right based off their capabilities and based off of their background to set strategy, to pretty much to make everyone commit to this is how it's going to be done. No question asked. We know what's best. We've been around the block. We know what we need to execute. We know what needs to be done. This is our industry. You know, look at my Rolex here. I proved to I proved to the industry that I can pull it off. And that was the approach you took with your first business and how'd that work out for you? <laughs> Not great. Though, though to their point, or to the point that we we're gonna talk about, they are kind of successful, right? And so it's in those rare moments where I don't go to another side, but it is in those rare moments where I look at it and I'm like, okay, there are other ways to do it. Yeah. But I believe, I believe if as an entrepreneur or leader, if it's your desire to have optimal success and reach optimal financial growth and sustain that growth, I believe it is your best interest to put employees first at a real level to cap to to not have a cap on your upside. I believe whether it's 100 million or 500 million or 10 million, there will be a cap doing it that way. I don't believe there will ever be a cap of productivity and in, in financial growth the way that I'm proposing. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, well said. Now, to some extent, as you pointed out, they have achieved great success. Right? So to their credit, um, so in part, what they're saying isn't necessarily wrong, isn't necessarily wrong. What I always challenge them on and people who I come across with that mindset, business owners or CEOs, I often wonder how much more successful would you be if you took a different approach? Because I guarantee you, there are probably those within your ranks who might have, depending on what we're talking about, some innovative ideas who are probably might be a little bit closer to what's going on on the ground that can provide modifications to the strategy that actually might bring more money to your bottom line. So we often think of success as, yes, we're successful. Okay, that's great. Could you be even more successful? And in many cases, when you have the employee involved as a partner almost within the organization, right? Making them feel like they have a huge stake in it, that their voices are heard. I guarantee you, you'll take that success even further. It's that tactic and strategy and career mapping. Those are my two go-tos. I've, I've already made the mental commitment. If these companies don't work out, I need to go be, be ahead of people again. Just, come, just bring me in to do those two things and I won't do anything else. Those two strategies alone, I believe, can transform an organization. The career mapping, I think, is self-explanatory. Not enough companies, small, big, whatever you want to call it, 
are focusing on contextually unpacking the career roadmap for every single employee. I don't care if you have a thousand people or if you have 10 people, stop being lazy and do it contextually to that one employee. Stop creating these blanket programs and putting people on these tracks. No, sit down with each and every person for 45 minutes, for 90 minutes, for seven weeks, however long it takes you and unpack exactly where they want to go, set up a mentorship program, set up a learning and development program and put them on their contextual path and then step back. Because then what I've been known to do, which I've learned to not do anymore, is I cannot hold and drag an employee along the way. So, but I do think it's my job to set, set the land for them. Totally agree. Absolutely. And you know, one of the biggest drivers of engagement uh, is, does somebody have a vested interest in my development? Yep. People, you know, the days of, of employees, and I think I'm stating the obvious, but it's important to remind leaders out there, the days of employees staying with an organization, you know, for and, and staying with them until they retire are long gone. And then the other thing, which is like the first point you were making, I always go to that as well, which is, you know, you see my energy now, football background. Um, I have no problem looking a CEO dead in his eyes and making a very bold statement and not wavering from that statement. And so I've had animated debates. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> and I get frustrated. I said, let, let me break this down for you very simply. What the strategies you're implementing worked seven years ago. You haven't touched, you haven't changed anything. So you're telling me you know best based off of what data? Seven year ago data? Your company was 37 people then. That's now 119. You had 10 million in revenue. You now have 30. You had two divisions, you now have six. Like you had seven partners, you now have 18. Like there's different complexities, there's different things. And the people that own the ground floor have been dealing with the problems that you are not seeing. You get these reports via email or you have your weekly meetings from your direct reports and you get a macro view. You're not getting a micro view. So you need to create those channels of conversations where you dive deeply into those that are at the bottom level and you need to create communications to really understand what they're talking about and what they're seeing and make adjustments consistently. Not once a year, make adjustments, not being quarterly. At least have the conversation, at least do the, at least see if there's something they've been seeing. Because the employees will clearly tell you, human beings naturally want to get that out of their system. They, they actually want to feel like they have some onus and some power. I agree. They want to feel like their voices are heard. They want to feel like they're making a contribution. Mm-hmm. And you bring up a great point, you know, as, as businesses grow and, and double in size, triple in size, whatever the case may be, all of a sudden the skills, uh, when you first started out in leading a smaller organization, you know, the basics don't change, but there are nuances that do change. Yep. Right. And, yep. and, as much as you like to think you're close to the business, as you grow and evolve and get bigger and bigger, you're not as close to some of these areas as your employees are. Yep. Yep. And ignoring what, you know, and not listening to their recommendations and suggestions, it's only a matter of time. Eventually it's going to catch up with you and your ego is just getting in the way. That's why I continue to go back to it. I love the, love the name of the company and, and your whole approach. Because I know looking back over my career and leading many teams, uh, there's no way I would have been as successful without my employees. That's mm-hmm. why I always put them first because I knew 
that my success depended on their success. So last question for you uh, as well. If you had one advice for leaders out there, whether they're starting a new business, growing uh, within their business, or even just leading teams today inside organizations, one critical piece of advice, they had to get one thing right, what would that be? This will probably be a little out of the box, but it's been something I've been thinking a lot about. Um, everything we talked about on this podcast can be very intense to try to understand and consume and implement immediately. That's what I've noticed. I've noticed, um, and I've changed this style about me recently. And again, I always credit my humble beginnings being from Baltimore with being an athlete. I'm, 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 I'm pretty direct and I'm very empathetic, but I'm pretty aggressive, but I'm very passive as well. I'm this weird, I'm weird. So I've noticed a lot of this stuff that we talk about can be very intense to consume in the mind when you're a leader because you have finance, operations, marketing, brand. You have so many other things to think about. And then you throw this in and you got a guy like me coming in a million miles an hour trying to get you to understand it can be very intense. And so the tip that I would give to a new leader or someone internally, if you have someone that looks like me that's talking about the stuff that we're talking about, ask them to just throw everything on the table, uh, like all the cards, and then sit back a moment, be very patient, and pick the one that is most natural to you. You'll get a feeling. You'll get a feeling in the stomach. You'll get a feeling in the mind. You'll feel it. Pick which one is most natural to you and tell that person you want to start there. That's the practice that I've been using recently that has really worked. Instead of trying to power drive the change management and get companies and leaders to just do everything at one time, start with what makes most natural common sense to them. And then that's how you get them. Because once you get an easy win there, you can start the process. And so even for yourself, that's how you'll get yourself. Like you'll realize that, oh, wow, that, that ROI is interesting. Or that was an, an interesting journey to implement this. What else is out there? So yeah. that's a little out of the box. No, I think that's great advice. You know, it helps to kind of build their confidence. And, and you're right. Then you can weave in other things. I think that's great advice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate well, it. Well, AJ, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And how can people find you? Uh, they can go to e1b2collective.com. They can um, they can go to LinkedIn and just search Anthony Vaughn, V-A-U-H-A-N, and find me. Um, and then if you just type in the e1b2 collective or startup EX or all the different company names, you'll, you'll find me somewhere in the Google ether. Great. All right. And we'll put all your information in the show notes as well. So thanks right. for coming on, AJ. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Rob. Thanks so much for listening in today. If you're interested in learning more about the show or how we can assist you through my leadership consulting company, then please visit my website at leadershipjamsession.com.